Two men on a mission to change the face of the organ world. Driven by their passion for the king of instruments, these two seek to share their love of the pipe organ with as many people as possible. Through their own arrangements of popular film, TV, and video game music, our hosts use their unconventional approaches to inspire pipe organ enthusiasts, both young and old, and to bring new audiences to this magnificent instrument. Together with you, they will journey through the fascinating world of the pipe organ, always eager and never afraid to break with tradition. Rob Labinsky and Johnny Salimovich are the Organ Mavericks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Organ Mavericks podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Slimovich. And I am your other host, Rob Lubinsky. This is episode 12, and in this episode, we will be reacting to my unpopular opinions, as in the previous episode, we have had the chance to react to Rob's unpopular organ opinions. And so, as we've stated in the last episode, we will now go over my unpopular opinions as we have here as I have here in front of me right now and so let's get straight into it okay all right all right then so the first unpopular opinion that I have here is Cameron Carpenter is a genius <laughs> what would you have to say to that uh Rob before I um yeah. I, I'm I, I'm going no comment mostly because I really don't I'm not that familiar with him. I've heard him play. I've seen him perform, never live, but I've seen videos of him on YouTube. I know that he is a phenomenal player, and he has a very unique style. Um, and I, I will say he is a, he's an absolutely a masterful player, but I know that um, he definitely, I, I think, rubs some people the wrong way. So... Why don't you go ahead and elaborate on why you think he's such a genius? Uh, yes, yes, I was about to get to that as well. So, why do I think Cameron Carpenter is a genius? Well, for one thing, uh, you have already mentioned a bit, Rob, that uh, he does have his own particular style of playing. And uh, especially with what I've noticed from his performances, well, I, yeah, I'm also in the same boat as Rob. I've only seen a few performance clips of his on YouTube. I'd even uh, watched a few of his interviews as well to get to understand him a little better. And uh, <clears throat> essentially from what I've noticed about Cameron is uh, over the years he's been experimenting with uh, playing pieces in a different way. And especially with some Bach pieces as well that I've noticed. When I've been seeing the comments of uh, his, uh, <clears throat> of his uh, Bach performances on uh, YouTube, I've seen some people... Uh, I've seen some commenters uh, saying that he should have been playing it a specific way and the such, though from what I've seen, uh, the feedback was mostly positive because most people <clears throat> wanted to hear most people wanted to hear Cameron's interpretation of the piece. And uh, I'm actually going to get into that a little bit um, more with another unpopular opinion that I have. Though one thing that really made me respect Cameron Carpenter so much more was that he 
made a very good point, which was that when a person comes to a concert, whether it be for any musician, even for a different organist, they are there to hear the interpretation of how that musician would perform that piece, not how the composer would perform it originally, unless you were to come to a performer who would do as the composer intended to. And uh, yeah, again, that was a really paraphrased, uh, that was a very paraphrased uh, quote that, <clears throat> that I remembered Cameron made, but he made a very good point when he said that and actually made a lot of sense. Uh, would you happen to agree with that or would you happen to have some uh, disagree? Uh, any... I, yeah. I would definitely agree um, in the sense of personally, you know, when I go, when I go to an organ recital, I go to hear, you know, the organist's interpretation of the music. Um, I, I think that becomes a, I, I think that's a personal choice because I know there are a lot of people who, you know, believe that, you know, it's uh, what is it, what they call it, performance practice, you know, is really big. And so, you know, this is how it was played in the 1700s and this is how it should be played now. And, you know, I, I'm fine if people want to do performance practice. I don't have a problem with that. Um, you know, but for me, I like to see, you know, what can you do with this piece? What can you do to this piece that I have heard, you know, a hundred times to, to make it fresh and interesting for me? Mm -hmm. That was exactly what uh, Cameron Carpenter was doing and uh, made that very, made that uh, very insightful uh, quote there. Again, that was a paraphrase quote that I made. I'm pretty sure you may be able to... Uh, find a video of him uh, mentioning a very similar quote to what I just said, though <clears throat> it should mean the same the same thing because I didn't really remember specifically how he said it, how he said it. And so moving on to the next unpopular organ opinion that I have here is J.S. Bach pieces do not have to be played in a specific way; they are open <laughs> to interpretation. Uh, yes, I That's did. a good transition there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a pretty good transition. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Um, 100% agree. And, you know, going back to what I was just saying, yeah, there are plenty of people who would probably strongly disagree with that. Um, but I am, I am very much of the opinion that, um, you know, I, I think we need to bring our own interpretations, especially to Bach, because, you know, one, one of the things that is, um, so remarkable about Bach is, you know, just the musicality that he brought to things. And um, I, I wish I could give you like a, a reliable source, but I feel like I, I have read somewhere, you know, that, you know, that there are Bach historians that think, yes, you know, Bach would, you know, not only approve of people making their own interpretations of his work, but encourage it. Um, uh, Taking for d d taking into account, of course, the fact that Bach never intended other people to play his compositions. <laughs> oh wow! I, I should say not all of them, but you know, at at that time in history, that kind of music wasn't saved. You know, you you had you know contemporary composers, you know who who would you know write and perform during their lifetime, but when they died, that was it. Their music was not played again, and it was actually um, Felix Mendelssohn who first brought back the practice of, you know, reviving, you know, the older masters, starting with Bach. He did the, I'm going to get the name wrong. I think it was the St. Matthew Passion of Bach's. Oh, wow. Um, 
you know, and you found like at the end of the the Baroque era, I think it was um, Handel that was kind of the first composer who, after he died, his music kept being played, and that then kind of became the practice. But then you know you had people like Mendelssohn, Mendelssohn, you know, reviving you know Bach and the older composers, and you know, and really starting to preserve a lot of that music that we still have today. Wow, that's actually really cool. I never knew that bit of history. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> actually, I, there's also there, there's one other thing that I want to add to that. Oh, yes. Um, this is you, you. You said this, and this made me think. There is a there, there's a famous quote that I have that's out there, and um, I, I have this I have this little book. It's called Better Than It Sounds, and it's like humorous musical quotations, and you know it ranges from all different things. But I you, you said that, and I had to I had to look this up because I, I I love this this quote, and it and uh, it always makes me laugh when I hear it, and it's from. Uh, a woman named uh, Wanda Landowska, and um, she had a, a, a bit of a, um, uh, a rivalry with a fellow musician, and she at one point was quoted as saying, you know, there's, there's no reason we can't be friends. We both play Bach, you in your way and I in his. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of <laughs> sense right there. Yeah, you pretty much said it uh, right there, Rob. I pretty much already agree with you uh, there as well and I think I pretty much have summarized uh, that <laughs> that uh, opinion uh, right there I don't really think I have anything else to add to that for the time being at least and so we will now move on to the next one which is you do not have to be a virtuoso from the start to play really challenging pieces slash arrangements and I do want to elaborate on this but I'd like to hear your thoughts on this first Rob yeah, so um, I first of all, I completely agree. Um, I, I can't really speak much beyond myself as to what, what other organists would think of this, um, although I know that there are definitely people who think that you should be, you know, at playing at a very high level before you take on, you know, ba basically, you know, not pushing much beyond your level of ability. Um and if you don't mind, I have—I actually have a quick story I can share about that. Go ahead. I—I've I, told you this one before, Johnny, but I'll—I'll I'll share it with the the rest of our audience here. So when I was in high school, um, I think I was a freshman in high school. I um I had been playing for about three years, and um this um, local organ teacher—not not my teacher, but a, a fairly prominent teacher, um in the city where I grew up you know, asked, asked me over, you know, to, to play for them and, you know, just, you know, to give opinion. And my, my teacher gave his blessing to do that. And so, you know, I went and played and I played, um, the Boelman, uh, Toccata from his Sweet Gothique, um, which is, is, a, is, is a great one of those Halloween pieces. Um, but, uh, it, it's a fun piece. It's always been one of my favorites, but so I played this piece and their response to it was, well, I would not have started you on something this challenging. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And my mom was with me when I, you know, when I had played. And we both walked out of there and said, did they really just say that? <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, two years later, this person tried to recruit me to go to their um, college. And uh, needless to say, I did not forget that incident. <laughs> oh, man. So, so yes, so I know that there are people who think that you, you know, you shouldn't play way above your 
uh, ability, but I, I, I totally disagree with that. I, I agree with you, Johnny, that, <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be a virtuoso to, to, to have a go at more challenging pieces because that's how you get better. Exactly, and uh, I was going to elaborate, too, with that that I have on my notes here. Practicing them and believing in yourself is key. And then in brackets, I wrote down, virtuosos are made due to their amounts of hours of practicing their craft. And, Absolutely. Yes, and there's even a really good uh, quote or idiom that I've uh, found here, which uh, any, which uh, you Mavericks listening uh, right now, you may have heard this before in, uh, in let's say, a really popular film. It's, uh, it has stuck with me over the years. It's uh, been stuck in my head for a long while now, and I think you probably might uh, remember this one too, Rob, which is, sometimes you got to run before you can walk. And Tony Stark in Iron Man, the 2008 film, quoted, quoted that exact one. So, so I, I'm going. I, I'm going to show the, the the darker side of my Disney love, and I've only seen one Marvel movie, uh, <laughs> and it oh. was not Iron Man. Ah, uh, okay. So you're kind of new to, new to that. Okay, that's yeah, that's fine. No worries. However, with Disney Plus coming out, I'm going to I'm going to start watching all of them. Oh wow, that's cool. <laughs> So yes, I'm gonna quickly uh, re uh, reread that reread that old uh, idiom that uh, Tony Stark, the character mentioned in the film, which is sometimes you gotta run before you can walk. And uh, <clears throat> I hope this is not into spoiler territory, but I'm just gonna mention for context when he mentioned this. It was when uh, Tony Stark was trying on his uh, Iron Man suit for the first time, and he was uh, speaking with his AI Jarvis at the time, and uh, Jarvis was a uh, Telling him about certain complications, and then just and then Tony just Tony Stark just said, "Jarvis, sometimes you gotta run before you can walk." <laughs> and yeah, R- Robert Downey Jr. as the as the person who acted as Tony Stark, he said it very well with that tone. That is yeah. that's awesome. I, I'm glad you gave the context because that that summarizes it perfectly. Mm-hmm, it does. I, I I I I tend to go on the the, the slightly older idiom trial by fire. <laughs> okay, that's a good one found, too. Mm-hmm. I I have found you know in my experience you know that put me in a high pressure situation and I will absolutely get something done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. This this again ties in. Very well to the point that of that I know I'm gonna re- I'm now, I know I'm gonna repeat myself here with what I already said earlier with this third popular opinion is that you do not have to be a virtuoso from the start to play really challenging pieces or arrangements and uh, what Rob and I already just said here it should already be proven to you right there that you really don't have to be it uh, we've mentioned it all already too many times even in past episodes you don't you do not have to be at a certain skill level just to practice a song that you really love to enjoy despite how difficult it may be right now don't make it an excuse for you not to go for it you you cannot grow you cannot here's the thing here's the thing when you feel some pressure just as uh, rob mentioned earlier when you feel pressure when trying out when trying out new pieces and the such you're actually, you know, growing, growing, um, uh, mentally growing. And even with, uh, the practicing, you're basically just growing in general, um, getting out of your comfort zone to try the new pieces that you've always wanted to try, but never got to, and <clears throat> all because you've been, you know, limiting yourself with, uh, thinking that you can't play that until you get to a certain level. I call bull crap on that. 
It doesn't matter where your performance level is at. You can start right now if you wanted to. No one is stopping you but yourself. That's all I that's all I pretty much have to say about that. Yeah. All right. Mhm. Okay. <clears throat> now, for the next one. <sighs> and I'm pretty certain some people listening or some people listening to this episode right now may uh, some people who may be listening right now may have a may have a pretty strong opinion on this, but I really don't care at this point. <laughs> Hence, why we're called the Organ Mavericks. We dare to we dare to go above and beyond, which is the organ is never in capital letters too loud. <laughs> I think the octogenarians in every church I have ever served would disagree with you, but. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to half agree. Loud organ is awesome, but you can sometimes over register. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be true. And uh, when we were uh, when we were talking earlier, was there something you mentioned? There was actually a much louder instrument than the organ, naturally speaking. Uh, yes. So you know, I have I have maintained for almost all of my life that the organ is the loudest natural instrument in existence. Unfortunately, my music director has proved that that is not true. So I'm wondering, Johnny, if you have a guess as to what it might be. Hmm. And this is a this is a traditional orchestral instrument. I'll, I'll give you that clue. Okay, so tradi- it's a traditional... Wait a minute, would that be the trumpet? It's not the trumpet. Ah, it's so close. Uh, what else? Uh, the... Hmm, so it can be found in an orchestra. Okay, yes. so... Hmm. No, I don't think it can be the piccolo. No way. It's the piccolo. Oh, oh my goodness. It was the piccolo. <laughs> it is the piccolo. The smallest okay. instrument in the world is the loudest one. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have, I've for a couple of years now, I've done, um, my, my music director is a flautist and a piccolo player. And so we have done the uh, John Philip Sousa. John Philip Sousa? Yeah. Um, Stars and Stripes Forever. Um, usually around Fourth of July weekend, and there is a uh, a piccolo uh, descant part to that, and she plays it, and oh my goodness, I can play full organ, and do you have no problem hearing the piccolo? Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, and she has to wear earplugs when she plays it. Oh boy! And uh, fun and funny, you should mention the piccolo as well. Uh, there's this uh, recent video from a two set violin that I've. Uh, watched recently they were going through some um they were going through some memes that were submitted to them <laughs> and there's this particularly funny meme of uh that uh that apparently uh uh yeah it's kind of hard to explain uh with words what it is but essentially what this meme is supposed to entail is that apparently piccolo's uh well this meme is not supposed to be literal but uh it's uh, pretty it's still pretty funny that uh, apparently piccolos can create a black hole if you have at least five of them lighting <laughs> up. Sounds about right. Oh, man. The equivalent of dividing by zero. Oh, man. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Yeah, due to how loud the piccolo is. And I got to yep. give a shout out to Two Set Violin for, for yeah, Two Set 
violin guys uh, for covering that uh, meme because I don't know if I've well yeah because I think I I think there is actually a theory that you can make a sound that well that a sound could be loud enough that it would generate a black hole aha uh-huh. yes that I was think, so I think yeah. I think that's what that so that's where that comes from and that makes sense five piccolos would probably generate that sound <laughs> oh man yes <laughs> oh my goodness okay yes. And uh, how am I going to elaborate with uh, this on my end, though, that the organ is never too loud? Well, of course, uh, registrations can be one part that it that uh, it doesn't have to go too loud, though. <clears throat> yeah, there were just, yeah, there are certainly moments uh, that you just want to, for example, practice on practice on the organ, <clears throat> practicing on, on the organ with just the pipes themselves, or if you have a digital organ with the speakers, with the external speakers uh, on and not using your headphones when when monitoring slash practicing, because <clears throat> that would be the case on uh, my end with uh, my church with its uh, digital organ. I would mainly be practicing with my headphones in, so I do not disturb anyone. Yet there are sometimes occasionally uh, when I do want to practice with the speakers on, and it's usually sometimes pretty hard to find the right exact moment to um, have the speakers on without having uh, people <clears throat> without having the people around to tell you to quiet down, quiet down. When you really <laughs> need to hear, you know, from the external speakers how you're playing. It sounds such. very different. <laughs> it does sound very different. Hence, why we need to do both, not just practicing with the uh, headphones on, but with the external speakers and the such. But Yes, and especially when uh, I've set it to a certain registration of when a certain piece that I'm practicing, it's supposed to be loud to a certain extent. It, yeah, so yeah, yeah, technically speaking, Jorgen definitely is, yeah, it, yeah, it, as I said before, it's never too, it's never too loud as well. Due to yeah. its versatility, it can play very quiet stops to very loud stops. You can find the equilibrium or the middle of it or any range of uh volumes that volume uh volumes that you can uh set depending on what organ you play on or or, or organs that you play on and such yep. but yeah I, I i think you you and i both agree loud is fun <laughs> oh yeah it really is it really is yeah i can vouch for that all right next one <clears throat> The next one that I have here is organists in general are too comfortable to try out different songs outside of classical traditional songs. And to elaborate on that quickly, this is a bad thing. It's not just opinion. It can also be a fact. (laughs) Now, I might sound a little biased there, but in a sense, it has to be true to some extent, isn't it? Oh, I definitely think so. Um... You know, and I, I think I think a lot of it is kind of a mindset, you know, in the organ world of we play organ music, um, you know, and, and you certainly have people who kind of, who, you know, who will who will venture outside of that, um, you know, but yeah, you know, I, I, I think, you know, and I have, I you know, I, I've met people who are like, you know, why, why do you play this, you know, this insert on, um, um unfamily friendly word here on you know this meant this this instrument is meant for real music 
Um, do you know how many Grammys this song won? <laughs> uh-huh. That was that was a comment I had on Under the Sea one time. Um, Ooh, okay. Yeah, and I I I let it go because I don't I don't I don't respond to to people who leave comments like that. Uh-huh. But um, I, I I really I, I was just like, well, this song has won a Grammy. Has any of Box Music done that? <laughs> Hashtag burn. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Not no saying disres- the box music is not. Fi- yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't mean any disrespect to some of them, but seriously though, that is a very good point there. Yeah. Yes, because <clears throat> of course uh, the Grammys uh, did not exist when the right. classical musicians <laughs> were, you know, alive. They didn't exist at the time, and because times have been changing, organists and even the organ world in general needs to adapt in some way or another and rob and i are doing are exactly doing that right now as we speak with the podcast that we've been doing and the podcast that we're hosting right now and of course with the arrangements that we've produced Uh, i don't know how many times do we have to mention this but uh, (laughs) it's it's kind of our mantra and our life mission so i I don't think we can repeat it too much yeah yeah. If you Mavericks are sick of it, then you can send us an email and tell us to shut up about it. But <laughs> we probably won't. <laughs> yeah, because we really want to make the point very clear and such. <clears throat> Though at the same time, not make it, you know, sound demeaning. Because, of course, there's a lot of, you know, positive things that can come out of the organ as well. <clears throat> and as such. Of course, uh, you have chosen to listen to the podcast. So we really thank you for for taking the time out of your day to listen to our podcast. That means a lot to us yes, definitely okay and i think we uh i think i elaborated on actually yeah i think i covered that i covered mm-hmm. that uh one well i don't think i have anything else to say so uh, the next one <clears throat> okay this one's gonna sound a little more serious here Uh-oh. okay world Brace yourselves folks oh yes <laughs> Worldwide slash specific copyright laws need an overhaul. And to elaborate with that, copyright protection to an extent is really limiting the potential of really good gems slash popular hits that could really benefit from externally created covers, arrangements, versions of those songs. And I already mentioned before, to an extent. So it's not really affecting everything, but yeah. So yes, now I'd like to hear from you, Rob. Yeah. So once again, I'm I'm in complete agreement. Uh, copyright laws definitely need. Sorry, weird <laughs> noise outside of my house. Um, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the copyright laws definitely they have not kept up with how fast technology has advanced, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and I I, I definitely agree. I, I think I think they're far too vague for you know, how, how things are changing. And it's just, they're very difficult to work with. They're very cumbersome. And, um, you know, so I think in addition to, you know, an overhaul being needed to copyright laws, you know, I I think we need a better system to be able to work with them. Um, You know, because I absolutely, you know, I, I, I 100%, you know, support, you know, um, um, you know, arrangers and performers, you know, rights to their work. Um, you know, and don't don't want to deny them, you know, the the income that they deserve from that. But on the other hand, you know, there I, I know that there are there are plenty of um, 
examples out there on both sides of the aisle of, you know, musicians who are happy to, you know, share their work with others and allow other people to, you know, make arrangements and, you know, and, and, and expand upon what they've done, you know, and then there are people who don't want anybody to touch their stuff. And I, and I respect both sides of that, um, you know, but for, you know, for those of us who, who work as arrangers, it's, it's a very difficult, it, it can, I should say, it can be, um, a, a very difficult field to have to work in, you know, because, you know, we, we don't want to get fined $10,000, <laughs> you know, um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, and uh, we shouldn't forget to mention not just the advances of technology, but due to the introduction of the internet, it's been, uh, yes, creativity has been going through the roof ever since the internet, ever since the internet was introduced. Especially when it comes to uh, music sharing. Oh, especially, yeah, my goodness. Music sharing, oh my goodness. There is a huge history with music sharing <laughs> and copyright protection because there were people back in the Napster. early. Napster. Yeah, Napster. <laughs> yes, I was about to get to that. My goodness. Back in the early 90s, uh, that uh, digital downloads were becoming a thing and they were naysayers saying, no, CDs and vinyls are, uh, CDs and vinyls are like uh, the best, like, the best that there is and uh, digital downloads cannot replace it. But then years, but then years of um, years of uh, more people getting into the internet and the such, especially with Napster uh, coming in and especially with Apple releasing the first iPod that, that uh, mostly shut their mouths completely because actions speak a lot louder than words that, with something like advancing advancements in technology and even with the introduction to the internet it can like the truth of the matter is things are changing the world is changing every single day like it's not always constant there's always going to be changes every single day that it's usually it can be pretty hard to catch up and the such and hence why it's really crucial especially nowadays to especially really crucial this day and age to, you know, adapt to the, adapt to the current changes that go on, especially with the organ world that the, that the organ world should also be able to adapt to what's going on. Because if they, if most of the organ world fails to do that, the organ world may die out way too soon than we think. And Rob and I, we personally would hate to see that happen in front of our eyes. And we we really do not want this to happen Hence why we've, hence why, hence again, one of the, one of the biggest reasons why we started this podcast in the first place, because we would really hate to see the culture of, uh, the culture of the organ world die out in in front of our eyes as we know it and the such, especially with the arrangements work that we do. We really hate, we would really hate to see that happen and, uh, and the such and yeah, (sighs) yes. Uh, you have anything else to uh, add to that? No, I think we got that one covered. Okay, good, <clears throat> good to know. All right, now the last unpopular organ opinion that I have here is the organ is here to stay, whether you like it or not. And uh, <laughs> this kind of transitions to what we've been saying earlier in the podcast. And I know <laughs> we're starting to kind of sound like a broken record here, but uh, this is, yeah, this is definitely more of an opinion because uh, we, yeah, the the future, yeah, 
it it can be hard it can be pretty hard to predict the future and thus uh, it, yeah it can be pretty hard to predict th to predict the future and thus uh in this case, it's definitely more of an opinion because I personally do not want to see the art of the art of organ music, especially uh, the organ world, die out too soon when we're alive. I really do not want that to happen. And I'm really glad Rob and I have especially taken uh, taken action to you know make it, to make this so and get more people to get more involved in the organ world and even if they're just music listeners. Give them a chance to listen to, to uh, songs on the org, uh, very popular songs that they're that they like, on the organ. Hence, uh, Rob and I have been doing that exact same thing for for a couple of years already. And uh, I know I've been elaborating too much. I'm not gonna let you have the floor, Rob. Johnny, this is supposed to be an unpopular opinion. <laughs> Ooh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, shoot, I guess it could probably be a cop out. I don't I'm, know. I Oh no, it's fine. I did a cop out on my final unpopular opinion. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good, good. No, I, 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 I totally agree. The organ is not going anywhere. Um, yeah, because I, I know that you know we, um, you know, we, I, I know that Johnny and I feel like you know we are, we are. I, I, I well, I don't know. I don't. I, I, I guess I can't necessarily speak for Johnny in this. I know that sometimes you know I feel like you know the work we're doing that we're kind of isolated out there in the organ world, and I'm sure that we're not. You know, it's just a matter of you know making more of those connections. Um, you know, but I, 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 I know that certainly among organists, you know, there, there there's no fear of the the instrument going away. Mm -hmm. So you yes. know, we will all all work to make sure that that doesn't happen. Yes, exactly. <sighs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it on my part. We've heard uh, Rob's unpopular, uh, unpopular organ opinions in the previous episode, and you all got to hear mine on this one. <sighs> yes, there's uh, yes. yeah. I think there was actually a few more than what you had before. Wow. Yeah, I think I only had five. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, cool. I haven't uh, I haven't given it much thought since we recorded that last podcast, so I don't have any new ones. But okay. um, mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah. you know, mm -hmm. if you if you Mavericks are enjoying these kinds of conversations that we have, we would love to hear your unpopular opinions. We could certainly do another episode down the road, um, you know, of of both Johnny and I reacting to your unpopular organ opinions. So if you have any and you would like to chime in, to definitely send us an email. Um, the the show's email is organ mavericks at gmail.com and of course the that's always linked down in the show notes for you guys indeed indeed we would love to hear from you uh, mavericks uh yeah indeed we would love to hear from you organ mavericks uh what are your unpopular organ opinions i know i'm repeating what rob just said but i just <laughs> want to make it clear we would definitely love to hear from you guys what are your unpopular organ opinions because it would be really fun to you know make another episode of this but instead of our Instead of our opinions, react to what yours are. Yes. Yeah, that you submit to us, and uh, and yeah. and, we, and we'd also like to hear what you think of our unpopular opinions. Do you agree with us? Are we completely wrong? And <laughs> oh yeah, that too. Yes. Yeah. So you know. Yes, indeed. And so, fellow Mavericks, before we end off the episode, as a reminder, fellow Mavericks, uh, Rob and I are working really closely together to make to. Uh, to make a mini concert of uh, the uh, <clears throat> of the uh, 
My Little Pony uh, Friendship is Magic episode, uh, or season six, episode eight, episode eight, uh, Christmas special episode, uh, Hearts Warming Tale. As I mentioned in the previous episode, this is a reminder of it that, uh, yeah, you may expect it to be released on, uh, you may expect it to be released on YouTube in early, sometime in early December, the official date, uh, the official date of the premiere of this concert is yet to be announced. Both Rob and I will let you know from our uh, from our community tabs on YouTube and even social media when this mini concert will be premiered. We will yeah, we will inform you guys about that soon. And uh yep. what about you Rob? Is there anything uh that you want to announce? Um so that's that's been the 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 bulk of the music work that I have been doing. Um if you've been if you've been following my YouTube channel, you'll know that I've been a little lacking in videos in the last month or so and I've been very busy with some other things, but I've gotten a lot of the big stuff off my plate and I'm actually really excited to get back to working on some new stuff for the channel. Um, I, I, I think I've probably gone off on this podcast before how big a fan I am of Frozen, which at the time of this recording is coming out in 11 days. Um, and so I'm very excited. I've already actually listened to one of the songs, and I am totally inspired and completely obsessed with it already. And I think it's a um, it's a it's a great mirror for, like... Um, I don't know necessarily a new chapter that I'm going into, but like a new phase of the work that I am doing. Um, the song is called "Into the Unknown," and it just it 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 already feels like yeah, this is this is it's it's not going to replace "Let It Go" as my anthem, but it's it's definitely probably the first one I'm going to do from Frozen Two, the first of many songs that I'll be arranging for the organ. But that's going to be coming very soon. I don't know exactly when I'll have it out, but um definitely definitely be looking for that end of November beginning of December. Awesome. Okay, and uh <clears throat> all right, and now that we've uh, made our now that we've made our announcements, let us now finish the episode by announcing our uh, social medias and so I'm going to now start off with you, Rob. So everything that I do is uh, Yensid Organist. That Yensid is Disney spelled backwards, and I'm on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find all you can find me on all of those with that username. Johnny, how about you? Yes, as for me on YouTube, I go by Johnny Music, J O N N Y space Music. When you type it in the search bar, you'll easily find it in the search results with the yellow fancy looking GM logo. And as of the time of uh, this podcast was. Re- as of the time this podcast was recorded, I've already surpassed 2,000 subscribers. Yay! Yeah, awesome. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. And uh, there's definitely uh, more to come on the way. I am not going to stop. I'm not going to stop with the content production. And uh, so aside from the <clears throat> aside from YouTube, I am also on music. Uh, no, <laughs> my bad. I am on Facebook and Instagram at Johnny Sell Productions, J O N N Y. S-E-L Productions. Johnny Sell Productions is the is the parent company of Johnny Music. And uh, <clears throat> on Twitter, I am at Johnny underscore Sell. The spelling is J-O-N-N-Y underscore Sell. And uh, you will find uh, all of these social media links in the episode notes for your convenience as well. And so, fellow Mavericks, this concludes episode 12 of the Organ Mavericks podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time.